and love is all that I can give to you. Love is more than just a game for two. Two in love can make it. Take my heart and please don't break it. Love was made for me and you. Welcome to Love Savers Radio, ministering the blessings of covenant. This is Walter and Sandy Fox from Love Savers Ministry with a mission to minister the blessings of the marriage covenant by enriching and encouraging, strengthening and praying for the healing of marriages, especially marriages in crisis. This program is sponsored by Living Water Church, located at 69 Industrial Road in Wainscott, under the leadership of Pastor Joe Kelly and his lovely wife, Margaret Kelly. Sunday services begin at 10 a.m., with a pre-service prayer meeting at 9.30. Pastor Joe invites you to come and be refreshed. For more information, please call 631-537-2120. That's 631-537-2120. Our special guest today is Dr. Willard Hurley. He is a nationally acclaimed clinical psychologist, marriage counselor to thousands of couples, and the best-selling author of Five Steps to Romantic Love, Surviving an Affair, Love Busters, and His Needs, Her Needs, which has sold over two million copies. Today we're going to discuss his new book, He Wins, She Wins, Learning the Art of Marital Negotiation. Sandy, can you tell us what the difference or what the different uh, aspects about Dr. Harley's new book, He Wins and She Wins? I'd be happy to. What's different about she wins, he wins, is the ultimate goal. That is for couples to grow in their love for each other. Dr. Harley says that this win-win model for negotiation starts with a simple rule. Never do anything without an enthusiastic agreement between you and your spouse. Dr. Harley explains how all this is possible and how it's been done in his marriage for over 50 years and in the thousands of couples he's counseled. And above all, Dr. Harley explains how every decision a couple makes together will increase their love for each other. Good morning, Dr. Harley. Good morning. You got it right. I can't add anything more. You said it all. <laughs> Good morning, Dr. Harley. How are you this morning? Just great. Uh, Sandy is going to ask you some questions. <clears throat> all right. And uh, we're, we're ready to go here. And uh, your books are fascinating and they're very encouraging. And uh, they really equip people and give them tools that they need to make their marriage and their relationships better. Thank you. And so we really appreciate the, your willingness to come on and, and talk to us um, about, about your new book. And um, Sandy is just getting her headphones on. And uh, in your new book, He Wins, She Wins, uh, you explain the physical differences in the male and the female brain. And so one of our questions is, w would you explain those differences and how they affect uh, male and female behavior? and? can sometimes cause conflict between husbands and wives? Yeah, basically, uh, on average, and, I, and again, I want, to make, I want to point out that everybody's different, and I can't say this for every woman or every man, but on average, women perceive the world differently than men. 
and that's because mm-hmm. their brains are different. Men, a man's brain actually looks different than a woman's brain. Okay. And uh, there, are, there are parts of a brain that are bigger in a man and parts of a brain that are bigger in a woman um, that, that function, that, that cause them to think differently. And I believe that God created us to complement each other. Mm-hmm. In other words, the, the things that I am probably best suited for in terms of understanding are things that my wife needs to understand from me and, the, and vice versa. Things that she's best suited to understand, I need to learn from her. And so we both have perspectives that we need from each other, and by appreciating and respecting those perspectives, we come to wiser choices in life. Mm. Well, that, that's good advice. Dr. Harley, why do you think negotiation is so important rather than just giving in to your spouse all the time? Well, it's for two reasons, actually. One is that it, negotiation leads to wiser decisions from my perspective. In other words, to the extent that I can work out an agreement with my wife instead of either one of us making it unilaterally, I think we come up with wiser choices. But the most important reason that I bring out in this book is that if we make choices where we both win, where we both uh, have an advantage, in using my nomenclature, we make love bank deposits in both of our love banks simultaneously. The win-lose options that are common in marriage mean that one person has love bank deposits while the other one has love bank withdrawals, which over the long haul will not sustain their love for each other. Could you explain some of those different win-lose strategies like the sacrifice strategy, the dictator strategy, the anarchy strategy, and why you believe the win-lose strategies are not the way to go? Yeah, well, first of all, these are all win-lose strategies because one person gains and the other person loses. And as I said earlier, when that happens, uh, you, you, you lose two things. One is the wisest choice, uh, and the second is you lose mutual love for each other. Now, you, we as Christians believe in sacrifice. Christ died for our sins. We are instructed by Christ to care for others in a sacrificial way. Right. Uh, and so the, it, it, my position on this particular topic is controversial because I don't, I don't mean that we should never sacrifice in life for, for others or occasionally for each other in marriage. It's just that if, if it's a way of handling conflicts, what will end up happening is with one person winning and the other person losing, you're not going to end up feeling in love with each other, that mm. you need to, to reach a better arrangement, right. one where both people can win at the same time. Right, because we don't always have control of our feelings, and resentments can build up if you choose that as a way exactly. of handling all your conflicts. Exactly. So but then it, you're going to be a, in a state of resentment. It's a tough issue to argue among Christians. Right, right. <laughs> we'll say that. No, um, right. the, capitulation is a little easier to understand, and that is that I just give in because I don't want to fight. Um, and I give a uh, you know I give my wife whatever she wants, and as you mentioned, resentment builds right, up over right. time. 
Um, the dictator strategy is something that we all recognize, where one spouse is trying to control the other spouse, boss them around. We know mm-hmm. that doesn't work. Right. The dueling dictators is what happens when any couple fights with each other. They're both trying to get their way, and neither one of them will give ground. We know that that's not a good idea. And then the anarchy strategy is one where each person just goes their separate way, and and I do what I feel like doing. My Joyce does what she feels like doing, and and that makes uh, one of us feel very left out and uncared for. And we all know that that's not a good idea. So basically, uh, what I'm offering a, a couple is something that they're not used to doing. Uh, I, I, I will say this right out the beginning, and that is that democracy is very difficult. And I recommend the democracy strategy, and that is that you have to come to an agreement before you do anything. And, uh, and I give people the tools on how to achieve that, which is something we are apparently not born to do. To do. We, we're not good at this uh, in, unless we practice it and, and, get, and develop a skill set. Right. Could you give us an analogy of the love bank, which you referred to with its deposits and withdrawals and ways to keep the love bank um, of your marriage with a positive balance? Yeah, basically, uh, the love bank is a, is, is a is an analogy I've used to try to <clears throat> help couples understand the fact that everything they do affects each other. Um, every choice I make, every act I do, uh, affects Joyce either positively or negatively. And if it affects her positively, I say I'm making love bank deposits. And if it affects her negatively, I say I'm making love bank withdrawals. My account in her love bank has a balance. It's either full to the brim, uh, bursting through what I call the love, romantic love threshold, where she suddenly is just crazy about me because I have done so many positive things uh, and and she feels in love with me, or I could end up having a love bank balance that's in negative range, where I've done so many things to irritate and annoy her and ignore her feelings and go ahead and do what I please, that I have a negative balance where it, even though she wants to care for me, she finds herself disliking me. And this is a, this is a simple fact that we all have to come to grips with, and that is that the way we feel about other people has to do with the way they treat us. And this is, this is more so in marriage than in any other relationship. Yes. Um, would you tell us about the policy of joint agreement? You refer to it in your book as the POJA. Yes. Right. And why enthusiasm? <laughs> so I think it should be the POEJA because you want that policy of joint agreement with much enthusiasm, Enthusiastic right? Enthusiastic agreement, right? right. <laughs> so could you explain that to us a little yeah, more? Yeah, basically, uh, the policy of joint agreement is simply a rule to remind us to be thoughtful. It's, it's a thoughtfulness rule. And that is, uh, don't, don't do anything unless you're sure that the other guy is going to respond favorably to what you're planning to do when you're in marriage. In marriage. Now, I don't necessarily feel you should do that with everybody in life, but in marriage it's extremely important because of this business of 
of how you're affecting each other determines how much in love you are. So uh, policy of joint agreement reminds you that you are affecting each other, and so as a result, make sure that the other guy is really happy about the choices you make. Otherwise, you're going to be making love bank withdrawals. So it's a, it's, it's, a, it's a rule that gets you to start thinking. So in other words, before I do anything, I say to Joyce, how, do you, how would you feel about me doing this or that? And her answer to that would determine what I do next. Policy of joint agreement says that if she's not enthusiastic about it, we negotiate. We have to talk about it. We have to think about what the alternatives are. And in the meantime, I don't do anything until we've come to an agreement. So the policy of joint agreement is, is kind of a, um, a bookmark. You know, it keeps us uh-huh. focused on that page. We can't go on until we get that page read. And, and we, we, we stop at that point and discuss the issue, come to an agreement. And so the policy of joint agreement is, is a kind of a safety rule. Don't don't make a mistake. Don't make a mistake. Think about it before you act. Talk about it before you make a final decision. Right. Doctor, do you have any tips on time management regarding your spouse, friends, and family? Yeah, basically the idea is that uh, money, time, uh, friends and family, how you raise your kids, how you meet your emotional needs, Uh, are all things that should be decided jointly. And a man and woman generally approach each of these things differently. I talk about the five major conflicts in marriage, and in each chapter I talk about how a man prioritizes things differently than a woman in each of these categories. Um, For example, with the family, generally speaking, women want to get together with their families more often than men do. Um, and, and so as a result, a man might, might want to spend their vacation off fishing somewhere where a woman would want to spend her vacation with her family. And, and the basic idea is that, that in order to come to an enthusiastic agreement, you have to think of something else to do that would make both of you happy simultaneously. turns out to be the wiser choice when you end up doing that kind of thing. Right. How can one be sure that their career doesn't get in the way of a healthy marriage? Well, the thing that you have to remember about a career is that a career can often prevent a couple from meeting each other's emotional needs. And, and the thing that I always recommend is to think of your career as serving your marriage rather than um, your marriage serving your career. Um, uh-huh. The basic thought here is this, that there are a lot of careers that take a husband and wife away from each other. And I'm very much opposed to that. Uh, for one thing, uh, it greatly increases the risk of infidelity, uh, but it also fails to meet uh, a, each other's emotional needs while you're separated. You're not going to be able to do as good a job making low bank deposits when you're separated as you would when you are together. So I generally recommend a career where the time you spend and the places you go are determined with enthusiastic agreement, keeping in mind that in marriage, unless you're meeting each other's emotional needs, you're not going to stay in love. 
So career choices are a big deal. We see that certain careers tend to create affairs. Other careers don't. And so it's very, very important to recognize how a career is influencing and, and affecting each of you. How would you uh, give us more on that? I mean, do you think a career that has you on both sides of the the nation, one in California, one in New York, doesn't work so well? It doesn't I mean, work so well. Or a lot mm -hmm. of travel on the part yes. of one would not. Yeah, um, and this is something, of course, we we have our own radio show as well, yeah. uh, as, as you do. And the people who call in are notoriously engaged in careers that uh, are high risk for infidelity. And these are careers that separate a husband and wife overnight. And, uh, and so they'll talk to us about an affair that took place while they were separated. And our advice, of course, is to find another career. Right. That's what we did because our... Um testimony is that we were married for nine years, had two children, then we were divorced for seven years, and Walter, my husband, had an experience with the Lord and brought us all back together. We've now been married for over 31 years. When we got back together, we considered just what you're talking about, and we prayed and prayed, and the Lord gave us a job together where we did newsletters for agencies all over the boroughs of New York. And it really kept us together constantly. And some people say, oh, my goodness, I wouldn't want to be together with my husband or wife 24 hours a day. But we found it really produce growth and and god god gives man. you the grace to do that you know. well and, and and not only that but but you you develop skills yes that that make you partners in life mm. god says that uh that that he created man and woman so that the two would become one mm -hmm. now that idea of the two becoming one is is a central concept in in all of the books that i write um, the basic idea is that we're meant to be together. Joyce and I are together every day as well. And you're partners, too, right? We are In partners. your radio show and producing yeah. it. Yeah, and, and we basically are romantic partners. We've been married for 50 years now. Our relationship is very passionate, you. very romantic, mm -hmm. and we never lost that for each other. Mm -hmm. uh, and God. part of it is that we make decisions that take each other into account. Neither one of us go off on our own doing no, things that are uh, good for one of us and bad for the other. Right. And you can find, like you say, in your leisure time, things and activities that you enjoy together that will keep you even in your leisure time with those activities together. Yeah, yeah there's a whole universe of decisions that can mm -hmm. be made about every topic. Yes. And 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 among those universe, among that universe of decisions, there are things that Joyce and I can enthusiastically agree to. It's simply a matter of finding them. Mm -hmm. Yes. Good point. Yeah. Thinking very about good point. thinking yeah. about it, trying to think of ways that both of us could be happy in 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 any given situation. Mm -hmm. And and of course after being married for 50 years, we now know what they are. Right. You know? <laughs> Takes a little time, but you right. get there. <laughs> right. <laughs> anyway, well, we know that as you mentioned before, finances can be a big issue in marriage. And 
I was really surprised when I was reading research and found that that's considered the number one reason for divorce. I would always think it's some other person that somebody falls in love with, but it's really finances. I guess that pressure put upon a marriage is one of the major reasons for divorce. Can you give us any advice on how to avoid conflicts in that area? Well, first of all, the five areas that I talk about, friends and relatives and time management, careers and finances and children and sex, I have read books that say that each of those are the number one reason for divorce. Oh, yeah. <laughs> All right. Okay. All of the above. Okay. <laughs> and so, the, but but I will say that finances are a big problem. Yeah. We're, we are living in an economy right now where finances are really tight. Yes. There are a lot of people who are l- losing ground uh, as far as their lifestyle is concerned. Uh, many of the couples that call us, uh, one of uh, one of them has lost their job, has been unable to find work. And and the question is, how can a situation like that uh, um, keep a marriage from falling apart? And my re- my answer always is that it doesn't matter how much money you have in life; it all that matters is is how you can agree to spend it. Very good point. And and so the idea yes. is that no marriage has to fail because one spouse has lost their job or that uh, they find themselves at the 15th of the month, just like a couple that talked to me last week, where on the 15th they ran out of money, mm. and they didn't get <laughs> right. paid till the 1st. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and so we're working with them on a budget, you know. Right, right. right. And, and the basic idea is that they, in, instead of fighting about the money that they spend, what they do is they come up with an, with an enthusiastic agreement as to how it's to be spent. During the, during the month, and then they stick to that agreement. Um, and, and then they find that finances are no longer uh, an issue that separates them, but yeah. rather it's something that brings them together. Mm. Right. You can really find new creative ways. Like, I'm known as some other people we've heard about in the past as being a world-class shopper. Uh-huh. And uh, I know. Just like my wife. I was just going to say that. I was listening to a DVD of yours, and she loves to shop, and you go with her. And my husband has done the same with me. But it's amazing during these times when you're really trying to find new ways of cutting back and being frugal and, and proper that I now shop in my closet. I don't spend uh, time <laughs> doing that. Oh, Walter loves that. But, you know, I have noticed that it's like an addiction. If you stop doing it, you don't, you know, lust after it. You know, I mean, it goes away. Yeah, the feeling goes away. Well, maybe you don't have that need at the moment. But, but anyway, so what do you, uh, what can you tell us about the team effort that's needed in raising children? Well, I believe that men and women both offer a perspective that is valuable. Uh, you have, on the one hand, discipline, and you have, on the other hand, love. Um, discipline makes sure that the kids grow up with skills and with an understanding of thoughtfulness, of making sure that they uh, take good care of other people when they are uh, making decisions. Uh, most discipline issues have to do with care for others. 
uh, and do, doing things that work for them and, and others at the same time. And then love means that you, you, you care about the child, you want the child to be happy. So the question is, does the child have to earn their allowance, or do you give them an allowance as a way of showing them that they're loved? And there are a lot of conflicts about things like that. Uh-huh. Uh, if, the, if the child doesn't make his bed, uh, does the mother make it for him? Uh, father wouldn't do that. Father would say, you get in there and you make your bed. Um, and s- the question is, how do you resolve issues of discipline and love? And my argument has always been that when a husband and wife can enthusiastically agree on how to raise the child, the child is raised with both. They know The child knows that he or she is loved, and they also know that there, there are consequences to not being an obedient child. And yes. so you, you, you basically have the wisdom of both parents bearing down on, on uh, each decision that is made. Another thing you mentioned in the book, which I thought was so good, uh, because it reminds us, you know, when you get married, the leave and cleave, you leave your parents and friends, etc., and just become one, as you talked about. And when you become one with your husband, it also helps as far as child rearing, because you will not let the child go in and kind of play one against the other if you stand together on something and discuss any differences you might have on the side privately. Exactly. But always come as a united front with the yeah. child. And, and the child uh, gets confused if you, dis- if you disagree. Uh, in other words, if one person yeah. feels one way and the other person feels another way in front of the child, child isn't going to learn anything right. from that experience. Right. Child is going to learn how to manipulate the parents instead of exactly. learning what either one of them is trying to teach them. Yes. Well, thank you so much for sharing your wisdom with us this day. And well, I'm very glad to hear that you got your marriage back. Yeah. Wow. It's a miracle. Yeah, yeah it's a miracle of the <laughs> Lord. I know I know of many people that have done that uh, that have that have remarried after their divorce and they are very happily married today yes. because uh, their commitment in marriage survived the divorce itself. Amen. Amen. Well, Dr. Harley, thank you so much for being with us today. We really enjoy uh, talking to you. We uh, uh, hope that you'll be back with us in, in the future because yeah. you're you're such a, a blessing. And uh, you have so much to offer the body of Christ. And we just, well, I'm glad to have talked with both of you, too. And uh, you. we just thank you and we bless you. And uh, we just uh, say have a wonderful, wonderful uh, weekend. And uh, we'll talk to you soon. Goodbye and God thank bless. Bye-bye. Bye. God bless you, too. Thank you. Bye-bye. Well, that was Dr. Harley, Willard Harley. And uh, his books, his numerous books and resources for individuals and churches offer practical solutions to almost any marital problem. Uh, go to his website, www.marriagebuilders.com. That's www.marriagebuilders.com. He and his wife, Joyce, also host a daily radio call-in show called Marriage Builders, and you can look that up as well. So uh, we, we just uh, want to end today with uh, Marriage Manor. Sandy has Marriage Manor at the end of every uh, program that we do. And uh, Sandy? Our Marriage Manor today is... Do not let the sun go down on your anger. Negotiate. Yeah, that's a good one. 
Sandy's has me sitting down and she's negotiating <laughs> with me. Every time she reads one of these books, she tries it out on me. So uh, I'm, I'm learning as she's learning. And so we just bless you. We pray for every marriage, uh, every person hearing this broadcast. And we know that God can heal marriages. And just believe uh, it's your faith and it's and the mercy of God. So God bless all of you. Have a wonderful, wonderful weekend. Goodbye and God bless. Love is more than just a game for two. Two in love can make it. Take my heart and please don't break it. Love was made for me and you.